Hi, I'm Nick Warren, and welcome to the iLearn podcast series from First Quantum. Each week, we'll bring you stories of leadership to inspire and guide you. Barry Schwartz is a psychologist and a professor. He's also a best-selling author and TED Talk regular. In this week's episode, he talks to First Quantum leaders about what to do when you don't know what to do, particularly in times of crisis. He talks too about the downside of too many rules in times like this and the importance of improvisation. Hello, my name is Barry Schwartz. I'm a psychologist and I teach at the University of California at Berkeley. And I'm going to tell you a story. I've titled it How Respect Can Save Lives. It's a story about how a quick-thinking commander improvised a solution to what seemed to be a completely intractable problem and saved dozens of lives as a result. It's a story of what it will take to get us through our current worldwide crisis. We're living in troubled times without a clear roadmap to tell us what to do. And about 20 years ago, Colonel Chris Hughes was in a similar position as he led troops in a sensitive mission in Iraq on the morning of April 3rd, 2002. The war between the United States and Iraq was in its earliest weeks. His small unit of U.S. soldiers were walking along a street when quite suddenly hundreds of Iraqis poured out of the surrounding buildings, waving their fists, shrieking, frantic with rage, They pressed in on the Americans who glanced at one another in terror. At that moment, Colonel Hughes stepped through the crowd, holding his rifle high over his head, the barrel of the rifle pointing to the ground. He said, take a knee. The soldiers looked at him as if he were crazy. Then, one by one, they knelt before the angry crowd, pointing their guns at the ground. The angry Iraqis fell silent. Their anger subsided. Hughes then ordered his men to withdraw, and no blood was shed. This event was actually broadcast live on CNN, and a journalist saw it and decided to write about it. He called Colonel Hughes, and he asked him who had taught him to tame a crowd like that. Hughes said that nobody had prepared him for an angry crowd in an Arab country, much less the tribal complexities of Iraq at that particular moment in history. Army officers learn in a general way to use the helicopter's rotor blade wash to drive away a crowd, or they fire warning shots. The problem with firing warning shots, he said, is that the next thing you have to do is shoot them in the chest. Hughes said that he knew that the Iraqis already felt that Americans were disrespecting them, disrespecting their country, disrespecting their religion. The obvious solution to Hughes was a gesture of respect. It may have been obvious to Hughes, but it certainly wasn't obvious. What he did was similar to what teachers, doctors, or parents do every day in their very ordinary and considerably less dangerous environments. Hughes had to read the context. What was this crowd thinking? 
What were they understanding or misunderstanding? How could he get through to them? He had to imagine the consequences of any steps he took and make a decision in a complex and unpredictable situation with competing goals. The goal to protect his men, the goal not to harm civilians, the goal to dampen hostility. He had no rules to follow. He had never trained for this situation, and he had to act quickly. He did act quickly, and he diffused what seemed to be an impossible situation. Teachers face this in deciding how to teach the 25 children in their class. Parents face this in deciding how to discipline the two or three children that they're raising. Life is unpredictable. We face situations on a daily basis for which we were never trained. Even before the Iraq War, the U.S. Army had become concerned that many of its officers lacked the ability for this kind of improvised, in-the-moment decision-making. In 2000, the Army Chief of Staff wanted to figure out why and what could be done about it. He sought help from a research professor of military strategy, and the professor studied the problem and came to an interesting conclusion. Wartime experience is one opportunity for officers like you to learn to make good, quick judgments. But the problem with wartime experience is that while you're learning how to do it better, people are dying as a result of your mistakes. There's another opportunity that's less dangerous, and that is the practice that officers get training their units. These officers are teachers as well as leaders. The decisions they make in training their units helps them to develop the capacity for the judgment that they will eventually need on the battlefield. But the astonishing thing that this researcher found was that in the 1980s, the Army had begun to restructure training in ways that had exactly the opposite results. Traditionally, Commanders had the opportunity to plan, execute, and assess the training they gave their units. Innovation develops when an officer is given a minimal number of parameters. This is the task, these are the conditions, these are the standards. A minimal number of parameters and the requisite time to plan and execute the training. Giving the commanders time to create their own training develops confidence in operating within the boundaries of a higher commander's intent without constant supervision. The junior officers develop wisdom and judgment through their teaching of the trainees, but only if their teaching allows them discretion and flexibility. The responsibility for training at the company level was being taken away from the junior officers. It was being replaced by a long list of specific tasks and procedures that had been developed by central commanders. Headquarters increasingly dictated what would be trained and how it would be trained, essentially requiring commanders to follow a script. Commanders lost the opportunity to improvise, to analyze their unit's weaknesses, and to plan the training accordingly. There were some benefits to this top-down approach, but there was a downside, too. Put all the directed requirements together, 
and the life of a company commander is spent executing somebody else's good ideas. Too many rules and requirements removes all discretion and stifles the development of flexible officers, resulting in a kind of reactive rather than proactive thought, resulting in compliance instead of creativity, resulting in adherence to rules instead of audacity. These are not the kind of officers that the Army needs in an unpredictable and quickly changing situation where specific orders are absent and military doctrine is not clear. The army, in other words, was creating cooks, leaders who are quite adept at carrying out a recipe, rather than creating chefs who can look at the ingredients available and combine them to create an edible, even a delicious meal. I think we are now living in a time that requires chefs, people who understand the mission and have the tools to improvise solutions to whatever problems may arise. Rules and procedures are useful guides, but life is too unpredictable for us to imagine that any set of rules or procedures could do the job on its own. Today we need chefs. We need many people like Colonel Hughes, people who know the mission and can improvise means of accomplishing it. And I hope as we collectively face this current crisis of almost unimaginable proportions, that there will be enough chefs among us to guide the rest of us to some kind of a return to normalcy and to the process of rebuilding our various societies. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. That's it for this week's episode of the iLearn podcast from First Quantum. Each week, we'll bring you leadership stories from around the world. Stories from business leaders, renowned sports people, explorers, and top-ranking military generals. Stories from leaders who have managed through adversity and survived and thrived through challenging times. This episode of iLearn has been produced by Fresh Air Production and everybody involved in the podcast has given their time for free. For future episodes, you can find the iLearn podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.